0: Welcome to this latest edition of the Real Deal Podcast on this first of October, 2019. I'm your host, Real Gerald Quinn, discussing the world of sports and pop culture. As always, I'm YouTube, not YouTubing, but streaming live on my YouTube channel, Real Deal Podcast. Uh, Check it out; certainly, it'll be available on YouTube anywhere from 15 to 20 minutes, or 20 to 25 minutes after. We are done the podcast, also available on Stitcher, iTunes.Apple.com, uh, Spotify, and many other platforms that you care to look up real deal podcasts. always appreciate your the, the subscribers, your shares, your uh, support all around. First day of October, but it still feels like summertime. So I, I'm just waiting for fall. Just like, the, like many of you on the East Coast, uh, we're just waiting for fall to come um, as we, again, it's supposed to be sweltering uh, tomorrow, you know, 90 degrees down here in the DMV, but we're surviving. Uh, game one tonight, speaking of the DMV, game one tonight of uh, the wildcard game, uh, the Nationals hosting the Milwaukee Brewers who, despite losing their... Uh, MVP Kristen Yelich have you know having uh, missed the beat and made it to the playoffs. They're still a dangerous, pesky team, and we know anything can happen in a one-game situation. But the bottom line is the Nationals. Forget about having just home field and the last at bat, which is always an advantage, especially in the postseason. But they have one Mad Max Scherzer on the mound. Now Scherzer has not been a dominant postseason pitcher. He's had his moments. He's been roughed up a couple times. He's been, he's been okay. He's been up decent. he think four and five ERA in the high threes, mid threes. You know, nothing spectacular, but we know Scherzer on any given night can come up with some no-hit stuff and come up with a, you know, a one-run two-hitter. Uh, I'm not worried about Scherzer if I'm a Nationals fan. I'm worried about, of course, their Achilles Hill, and that's, of course, the bullpen. Um, that's and especially against this lineup, which even without Yellich, is still a very deep and talented Milwaukee lineup. Now, Brandon Woodruff, we'll see. We'll see what he's made of. Uh, not a lot of experience. Uh, I don't think he's made any postseason starts, to be honest with you, uh, to my knowledge. Um, look that up right now, matter of fact. But um, I think that, you know, clearly if you – if you're a Nationals again, you have two things going for you. You have the fact that three things. Number one, the Nationals are playing was playing as well as any team in entered down the stretch. They were playing. The Nationals have been in playoff mode for the better part of a of a month. Uh, of a month. I love teams in October that are playing great ba- baseball. Uh, now Woodruff. Now uh correction. Woodruff has made two postseason stars, and he's been was great last year in the postseason was one had a one on uh, one in one record with a 1.46 ERA so he pitched he pitched uh against Colorado and against the Dodgers he won the game against Colorado lost uh excuse mm-hmm. lost the game against the Dodgers so uh he yeah he this is this will be his third postseason start um just wanted, I just wanted to check that out I know Milwaukee had been in postseason a couple of times so was in the postseason last year so Woodruff has pitched in the postseason before so he you know the third postseason start, he shouldn't be shook by uh, the pressure that is um, the postseason. Again, last year was a playing game, not playing game, but was playing for similar to this, a one-game playoff to make advance to the divisional round. Of course, the winner of this game will play the Los Angeles Dodgers um, come Thursday. Um, so, you know, uh, again, I think that the— uh, Nationals clearly have the advantage as far as you're talking about having a starting pitcher, you starting to talk about having a pitcher who we know can dominate a game. We know can we know we know what uh we know what um back can do. Nationals have a lot of opportunity. Nationals have a big a major opportunity here because they have it set up nicely to where if they are to, to win game one, win this game, advance to play the Dodgers, you'll have um, Strasburg on, four, on basically a week's rest in game one against the Dodgers. And then you will have the potential, you know, Strasburg, Corbin, and game three, back at Nationals Park, you will have Mr. Scherzer again. So the Nationals, with their, with their deep pitching staff, are set up nicely here going into postseason. And I'm telling you right now, I, I don't want to jinx the Nationals. Uh, especially Nationals fans wouldn't be happy for me. But God, I had I got good feelings about the Nationals going to the postseason. I really do. I don't think the pressure. Remember, the pressure is all on the Dodgers. The pressure is on the Dodgers to win. The Dodgers. The Dodgers don't win a championship this year. You know, people are going to be. Dodgers fans are going to be losing their minds. I know Houston is the overall favorite. But the Dodgers have to get have to get to the World Series. They lose a game seven. I, I, okay, anybody can lose game seven. You're losing to a Houston team. We know how talented uh, Houston is. Houston is the overall favorites, and rightfully so, should be the overall favorites to win it all. But um, I, you know, the Nationals. I don't want to go go as far as to say the Nationals are playing with house money, but the pressure is on the Dodgers. The pressure in the National League is they, the pressure is squarely on the Dodgers to go out there and get to the World Series. And I'm always concerned about teams who basically have clinched the pennant, basically clinched the plant pennant back in, you know, late June, early July. The Dodgers, the Yankees, um, Houston, those teams had basically have been playing, been able to play free free and easy for the better part of two and a half months. That would concern me going into this postseason if I were a fan of those teams. Yankees, Dodgers, Astros. Again, teams like Oakland, teams like Tampa, the Nationals, Cardinals, even Brewers have been playing playoff caliber baseball, playoff intensity baseball, you know, for the entire season. They haven't had a chance to, to you know to catch their breath. They haven't had a chance to, you know, really rest people. Uh, they haven't had a chance. Now again, that's a that's an advantage if you clinch your division early. If you if you're clearly the dominant team in your division, man, yeah, you can rest some people. Dodgers had a chance to rest some people. Houston had a chance to rest some people. You know, Yankees, you know, a lot of their guys haven't even played the entire year because they've had so many injuries. So some of those guys should be fresh going into the postseason. But, I, I, you know, I always am big, especially on baseball, on rhythm. I'm always big on teams playing playoff caliber baseball going into the postseason. I don't think there's a dominant team. Again, I think Houston is the best all-around all team from top to bottom. But there's no uh, 98 Yankees here. There's no 84 Tigers. You know, no team, there's no team uh, that dominant um, in these playoffs. It's just baseball is too spread out. The talent is too spread out. So, tonight, in about half hour or so, a little over half hour, you have the Nationals and the Brewers. And um, again, for NAS fans, it has to be exciting because, considering how, you know, you know, they got off to the slow start. They, they lost, and again, I told you at the beginning of the season that the, the Bryce Harper, losing Bryce Harper was not going to be a big deal. It just wasn't. Bryce Harper is sitting at home watching the playoffs right now. Still $325 million, Richard, but he's sitting, he's sitting at home watching the playoffs. So, you know, Rendon legitimately could, could be the MVP. Bellinger will probably win it, but Rendon is right there as far as MVP. We know Soto's a star. And we know about the Nationals' pitching staff. Do not be surprised to see the Nationals in the World Series. I would not be shocked at all if come. We're talking about the Nationals in the World Series. Wouldn't be the least bit surprised. They have that much talent. Again, one of these years, one of these years, they do. They are do. They absolutely do. One of these years to to uh, make a run. To you know, to kind of exercise those those postseason demons. Baseball is a funny sport. You never know when is your time in baseball. You know, it could be a lot of times. It's, it comes when when the team you don't think the team you have the best team. A lot of times it comes in a year where no one's talking about you. They have the pitching staff that can win that can win the whole thing. Now again, the bullpen. We'll see. If the bullpen is decent, I don't think the bullpen even has to be dominant. The bullpen, if the bullpen is decent, if the bullpen is decent to good to to good, they have a shot. Just getting started here on this latest edition of the Real Deal Podcast. Glad to be with you. We are about a week shy of officially, officially, the twelfth anniversary of the Real Deal Podcast. Thinking about some things. Some guests, um, you know, uh, you know, a new shirt is coming. So, October eighth, two thousand eight. Excuse me, October eighth, two thousand eight, was the very first real deal podcast. So we're thinking about some things on that. I will keep you posted on that. But right now, we're going to get into a week for. Of the NFL season, it was all about the road teams. The road road teams in Week Four went eleven and four. Um. So it was it was all about the road teams. Road teams went excuse me, twelve and four. I, I forgot about the uh, Philly Green Bay. So road teams were twelve and four, and we're going to begin with one of the teams that one of the home teams that took care of business, the New Orleans Saints, which probably had. The most impressive win of the week, uh, 12-10 over the Dallas Cowboys. This was a defensive struggle. Both defenses played great. Uh, New Orleans put on a defensive masterpiece in this game. Uh, Bridgewater wasn't great. Wasn't great. Um, No touchdowns. Did throw an interception. But it was all about the New Orleans run defense, which held Ezekiel Elliott. Held Ezekiel Elliott 35 yards. Uh Dallas as a team only had had 20 carries for 45 yards. Dak Prescott couldn't do it by himself. The later interception doesn't mean anything. That was the game, you know, that it was what well, it was a Hail Mary inception. I don't put too much stock into that. But the bottom line is to me, this game told me all I need to know about the New Orleans Saints. The New Orleans Saints are the class of the NFC. When Drew beat, they are Two and since since Drew Brees' injury, they're three and one. They've won two games. Think about it, at Seattle, home to Dallas. Okay, they legitimately, you know, Brees is out six weeks, and we're talking about what could be their record with Brees. We're talking about two and four, three and three. They legitimately could go five and one. Minimal, I think they'll go four and two. This team is the team to beat in the NFC without question to me. Um talent up and down the board. Their defense has been tremendous. And just, you know, again, they have when you lose a Hall, future Hall of Fame quarterback in all-time great. Uh you gotta give Sean Payton a lot of credit. The infrastructure of that team, the culture, that's what that's what carries you. That's when you lose your franchise quarterback. And they definitely have established one of the best cultures. In football, I'm not gonna go crazy about Dallas. Dallas is who Dallas is who they are. Dallas is, is, I think, will be a playoff team. Dallas is, without question, the class of the NFC. Well, not without question, but Dallas probably right, neck and neck with Philadelphia. I I, I gotta see more out of Philadelphia. I know Philadelphia. To, to get, to get a Green Bay. It was a very good win by Philadelphia. Those teams are neck and neck. You, you want to give Philadelphia a slight edge? Because it was? Maybe. But those two teams are neck and neck. And both those two, I think both those teams, Philadelphia and Dallas, will make the playoffs. I don't think every team in the the NFC North is going to be, one of those teams is going to fall off. So I don't trust that. They'll trust that entire division. But, again, this that was a big-time win for the uh New Orleans Saints they are well on their way uh, right now best team in the AMC NFC without question Kansas City over, uh, Kansas City took out Detroit 34 30 Pat Mahomes despite no touchdown passes um it's been a long time since he you know since that happened but took him you know he did what great quarterbacks do on the road 79 yard, 79 yard drive 13 plays a little over two minutes um give Detroit a lot of credit Detroit played well in this game. I mean, this was not Detroit. Probably outplayed Kansas City. They probably outplayed Kansas City, but Kansas City made enough plays. And again, Kansas City has the best player in the NFL in in uh, in Patrick Mahomes. And Kansas City improves to four and zero. More importantly, for the Kansas City Chiefs, they are three and zero away. You know, to bank three road wins in the first month of the NFL season—that that is just priceless. You cannot. I, I can't tell you. How big that's going to be uh, moving forward for the Chiefs, uh, considering how great of a home team they are. I mean that 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 sets that, that sets you up so well moving forward with the schedule and with uh, like it, it gives you such a cushion to be three and on the road. First of all, to get th- to get three road to get three road games out of the way, the first quarter of the season is big. But to win all of them, um, Kansas City is set up nicely. To contend for that home home field advantage, which we all know could be the even though last year they lost to New England at home, you don't want to travel to Foxborough, uh, late January. We all know that that place is almost impossible to win at. But um, you know, Kansas City's in good shape right now at four zero in a game where you know sometimes you don't play well, and this was this was a this was a week, a Sunday where a lot of the undefeated, a lot of by the top teams that we thought who he we thought were the top teams did not play well. You're going to have Sundays like that. Which moves us uh, moves us to our next game, New England just getting by Buffalo 16-10. Again, similar to the Dallas, New Orleans games. This New Orleans game, this was a defensive struggle by both teams. Both teams played great defense. The New England defense has been historically great this season. They are it's it's remarkable. Like I'm just looking at their numbers. They are number one in points allowed by almost um ten points. Like they are they only giving up six point eight points per game. The next the next team's giving up like fifteen point six. Now fifteen point six is a great number in itself, but six point eight is just ridiculous. That that does that's like a video game. The number one in points allowed, number one in points allowed, number one in yards allowed, number one in sacks. Second in rushing of yards allowed, and second in second in rushing yards allowed. Like this is this is like Chicago Bear esque, uh, Baltimore Ravens esque in two thousand. I mean, they have been just dominant. Now again, they have not faced a big time offense. Even Pittsburgh, we know how. We know even Pittsburgh with a, with the healthy Ben Roethlisberger offense was not clicking. So we'll see when they face a top tier offense. But as of right now, they've been. I, I. It's been. I haven't seen a, a New England defense play this well in a decade. I mean, it's been. You gotta go back to the early, to the early years. The, the, the Ty Law, Willie McGinnis, Teddy Bruce, Ted Bruschi, Teddy Bruschi, Rodney Harrison years for them for this defense to be as dominant as it is, and it needed to be because Brady, Brady was god awful. Brady eighteen to thirty nine, one hundred fifty yards, one interception. And I'm telling you right now, and I told you this. After the Pittsburgh game, Brady is, is is slipping. He's slipping. There's no two ways about it. Brady is not has not played well this year, and you just wonder can their defense carry them to a Super Bowl? That's the question. I think Belichick secretly likes this. I'm telling you, Belichick would be if Belichick, if they were to win a Super Bowl with Tom Brady playing at this level having a year similar to what Peyton Manny had in, the, in his last his last year with them won the Super Bowl because of the defense. You know what that would do for Belichick's, Belichick's legacy? Yes. I had Tom Brady, but look what he did. His last year, he, you know, was one of the, you know, he wasn't productive at all. He was terrible. So right now, Belichick is winning. There's no two ways about it. Belichick is absolutely winning. But with all that being said, with all that being said, New England does what they do to the AFC East, that is defeat every opponent, and especially the Buffalo Bills. Give Buffalo credit. Buffalo's defense played well, uh, played great. I mean, Buffalo's defense played as well as they could possibly play. They kept kept Buffalo in it, despite Buffalo's offense turning on the ball four times. Obviously, Josh Allen, the starting quarterback of Buffalo got knocked out. And I'm going to say, I was. I want to say this. The hit was totally clean. It was totally clean. It was totally legitimate, legitimate um, hit. Now, they're going to protect their quarterbacks, right? But these quarterbacks have got to get down. You, these quarterbacks have to have to learn. You have to slide. You can't, you're not, you're not a running back. You're not a tight end. You are not built to take these head on, head on hits. Okay. If a team has a chance to knock a quarterback out, they're going to knock him out. We'll take the fifteen yard. We'll take the fifteen yard penalty. We'll we will take even a fine for our player. We're talking about knocking out a starting quarterback. That is worth the fifteen yards. That's worth the ten thousand that the team the team could make to pay that fine easily for the player. These quarterbacks have got to get down. You've got to. These quarterbacks have got to protect themselves. Period. Man, this is all there is to it. Slide. You don't don't slide head first. Feet first. Run out of bounds. Stop taking unnecessary hits. It's dumb. You're gonna shorten your careers. And you're gonna end up on the sidelines. So I had no real problem with the hit. Got penalized, but it wasn't worth I, that. 15 yards was not worth a starting quarterback. But like you would make that trade if you're New England hundred times out of hundred. If you're Buffalo, not so much. Cleveland had uh, probably, I want to say, outside of New Orleans, probably had the performance. Had one. This was one of the most wildest. One of the wack, These next two games were two of the wackiest games that I didn't see coming. Cleveland over Baltimore, forty to twenty-five. Cleveland treated Baltimore like a stepchild. they. This is in Baltimore. They put 530 yards of total offense on Baltimore. Nick Chubb was running all just wild all over the place, 165 yards on just 20 carries, three touchdowns. Baker Mayfield threw the ball all over the place. It is very rare that you will see a worse defensive performance by a Baltimore team at home. It has been year, maybe decade, a decade, a full decade or so, you got to go back maybe before Ray Lewis is on the team to see a worse defensive performance by the Ravens on their home field. That team is normally dominant at home in general, especially their defense. Cleveland did whatever they wanted to. And it's not like um, Odell Beckham had a big day. Like, it, no. Um, Jarvis Landry had 167 67 yards receiving. Five hundred and thirty yards of total offense. Five hundred and thirty yards. So give Cleveland a lot of credit. We you know, Cleveland's gonna be one of these teams where on any given Sunday they can beat anybody in the league. They have that they have that type of talent, but they also could lose to anybody on any given Sunday as well. So keep that in mind. Maybe the Tennessee loss that still was a a horrible loss considering how much Tennessee dominated them. But Tennessee actually has been decent this year. It been So Tennessee hasn't been bad this year, so uh, maybe that loss doesn't look as bad as it did in the opening week. But again, Cleveland just was totally just outclassed and did whatever they wanted to do to the uh, Baltimore Ravens, who have gone from everybody's darlings at 2-0 and to a to 500 at 2-2. and the other shocker of the day was what transpired in Los Angeles with the Rams. The Rams go down 55-40. Uh, they give up two 20-point quarters. They uh, Tampa Bay holds them to 28 yards rushing. Tampa Bay has a great run defense. Damus Winston had 385 yards rushing, passing, four touchdowns at interception. That well, interception was a pick six. That was the only thing he did wrong. Um, the, Rams, the Rams haven't played well all season. The Rams are 3-1. and one. They're very fortunate to be 3-1. and one. They really haven't had a signature win all season long. The Carolina win it was a nice win. The New Orleans win was gift gift wrapped with the, uh, Drew Brees' injury. A um, little concerned about the Rams. I'm not gonna say worried. They're still three and one, but I'm a little concerned about the Rams. That offense, um, you know, the defense is an aberration. I don't like. I don't expect that to uh, be happening on the regular. Sometimes, sometimes in NFL, you just have these. Just especially in September where you just have these crazy games. And, you know, James again, Jameis Winston, we know how talented of a player he is. Jameis Winston could be an all pro, Pro Bowl Cowboy quarterback. We know he could be a franchise quarterback. So this Jameis Winston, this is a franchise quarterback. But again, it's been inconsistent. You can't trust Tampa. We know, but Tampa had Tampa has some players. Evans, uh Barrett. Uh, then Donald Cousue, you know, uh, had a, a touchdown on a you know that clinched the uh, basically clinched the game. Tampa has some players; they have some talent. Um, I don't have any faith in them. But again, on given nights, on given days, they can uh, you know can kind of surprise uh, some, surprise some big teams. And that certainly was what, what happened to the Rams. Again, the Rams have not played well. They really haven't. You think about it, and I've watched. It watched the majority. I've watched almost all the. I've watched all their games. To be honest with you, they've been on probably They've been on um, primetime a couple of times, and been you know they've been on national television a couple of times. So uh, the Rams need to get some things together, get some things fixed, especially on offense. Chicago sixteen to six over Minnesota. A dominant defensive performance by the Bears. Um, we know the Bears had the most talent defensively. I know New England has played the best. Uh, statistically, but the Bears still had the most talent defensively. The Bears were missing five starters, and still Minnesota could not barely move the ball. Um, Trubisky was knocked out; he'll be out maybe a couple weeks. It seems like the injury is not as bad as as last season's was with you know with the shoulder, the labrum. Chase Daniel came in, played actually played well. They of course they shut down Dalvin Cook, who came in. Leading the league in rushing, his held to 35 yards, had a touchdown, but a lot of talk coming out of this game about the future of Jordan Kirk Cousins, um, Kirk Cousins, who frankly has been bad since he signed with Minnesota. Uh, there, there are there are already reports and rumblings that they're looking to get out that get from under that contract after this year. Um, we saw some subtle shots taken by. Uh, Adam Thielen, and also, <clears throat> also uh, Childress, the, uh, the head coach, excuse me, Z- uh, Zimmerman, Mike Zimmerman. I don't, I don't know what I'm, mean. I don't know, children, Brad Children's, that's that years ago. But uh, Mike Zimmerman, the current head coach, and about Cousins basically not letting it fly. Zimmerman saying he basically can't explain why Cousins has been bad in big games it's, it's, it's not, not the, uh, not the kind of talk you want to hear about your hear, to hear about your quarterback. I will tell you that it really isn't. That's, it's not good at all. Um, if you're a Minnesota fan, I, you know, I watched Kirk Cousins his entire career uh, with the, with Washington. I thought Kirk Cousins would be great in Minnesota. I thought that you could win with Kirk Cousins, but uh, ooh, not looking good so far. Speaking of Washington, they get embarrassed 24 to 3. Uh the quarterbacks combined. Let me give you let me give you the stat line for the two Washington quarterbacks. 15 to 28, 121 yards, four interceptions against one of the worst defenses in the NFL, especially pass defenses in the NFL. Um, Washington, of course, and this has been the story for them all season long. They were out rushed by the Giants 164 to 55. You saw Haskins come in, he threw three interceptions, and now Uh, And Daniel Jones wasn't even good. I thought Daniel Jones was decent. He wasn't good. He he took a a small step back compared to this performance against Tampa Bay. I told everybody, just take it easy. Take it easy on Daniel Jones, and let's not annoy him as of yet. But it didn't matter. Uh, I could have played quarterback for the Giants, and they probably still would have won the game. Uh, The Washington is frankly, outside of Miami, I think Washington might be the worst team in the league right now. They committed so many dumb penalties. They look they look like a team that is already packed it in. Look like a team that's already gone fishing. Um I know there's been a lot of talk about Jay Gruden. I don't think it makes a a difference to makes any sense to fire him now. He's not gonna be there next year. He shouldn't have got he shouldn't have been there this year. And uh, that was that was their first mistake. Minuski should have been gone as well. But again, you you're talking about Washington, you're talking about one of the most toxic cultures in football. You're talking about the, the Knicks of professional football right now. From Daniel Snyder to Bruce Allen, it is a clown show, a atrocity um of a franchise right now. I actually feel sorry for the Washington fans. See, I, I tuned out I tuned out Washington years ago. I don't even invest any of my mental energy in terms of worrying about what Washington's going to do. I'm just, you know, I'm just following the NFL at this point. So to the, to the Washington fans who are investing time and energy into that franchise, you know, more power to you. Uh, you. You deserve much better than this. You deserve like a whole lot better than this. That franchise is a utter disgrace. They are an embarrassment of embarrassments. And as long as Daniel Snyder is the owner, as long as Bruce Allen is in his position, it will never change. It will never change. So, Giants even a record at two and two. Washington falls to zero oh, and four. And looking at Washington's schedule, um, they might win three games. Maybe they, maybe two. They're two or four. I, and four. I wouldn't be surprised to be a one and fifteen. I really wouldn't be. I would not be surprised to be a one and fifteen. New England will be able to basically name their score. Against Washington come Sunday, Carolina, Jacksonville, Oakland kind of have righted the ship. To say it's, uh, both those, all three of those teams start out got off to slow starts. They find themselves at two and two. Give Carolina a lot of credit with the backup quarterback. Uh, he's came in, done a tremendous job. Uh, they've done a good job. Carolina still has a very good defense. Um, so, but you know, we'll see what happens. Oakland getting through the Antonio Brown nonsense. Uh, now, Bontez perfect hit, that was a big story in the Oakland uh, Indianapolis game. That was the hit worthy of a season-long suspension? No. But when you are basically on, you know, to give a jailer analogy, two strikes, you got to walk on eggshells to get Bontez perfect I mean, there's no excuse for, for, for him to go helmet to helmet to a, to a player who is on his? was on one knee? It made no sense. He he should be suspended on stupidity alone. You know, if Avante is perfect, perfect, you're telling me you just don't want to play football. You had you are one of the dirtiest. You are considered the dirtiest player in the NFL by far. It really, I don't even think it's even close. By far, yet yeah, you're gonna like you know. You just again that hit. That hit normally probably would be. Maybe a one-game suspension, ejection. Maybe even just an ejection. Any other player, I think, just probably gets ejected. But when you are at Bontez you have no roof air. It's just that's, that's all there is to it. That guy, again, that guy is just one of the dumbest players in the league. Um, and, and then it has talent. Bontez Burfik actually is a talented player. He's just, he's just dumber than a box of rocks. So he got exactly what he deserved. I'm not surprised at all. Whatsoever, it's like it's like a criminal with two strikes. You have to, you have to, you know, you don't even jaywalk. So, as far as the college football um, quiet week, uh, the most notable result was the Clemson winning by one point over UNC. I give Mac Brown and the, the North Carolina program a lot of credit. They're on their way up. Clemson, listen, when you've won 20 straight, you're going to have a game where you just don't play well, especially on the road, especially in conference. Uh, they didn't take UNC serious. Man, that's why did. they didn't take UNC serious, but I'm not going to overreact. And I saw somebody saying Clemson's not one of the top four teams in the, in the country. Like, yeah, you got your mind. Like, come on. People overreacting to the performance of Trevor Lawrence. Like, come on. Calm Everybody calm down. Clemson will be in the playoffs, and Clemson is still one of the two best teams in the country. Want to say Alabama's playing better? Sure, it's just turned October. Like, hey, let's calm down. It's not like Alabama has played anybody of note. They've been cruising along, uh, going about their business. They they they, they will get tested. Uh, certainly, I can't wait to that LSU game. They have Texas A M this week. That you know, I don't have any faith in Texas A M whatsoever. Uh, Florida has a rough stretch. Um, yeah, Florida will be. Has Auburn and LSU in the next two weeks, so you're going to learn about how good the Florida Gators are. That is a brutal stretch to go Auburn and LSU in back-to-back weeks. It doesn't get any more any harder harder than that. So you know that's you know that's that's all that's all with the college football. Again, it was a very, for the most part, uneventful weekend of, of uh, college football. Um, again, you got a couple of showdowns that are coming up, especially in the SEC um oh so we'll see what happens uh when you know when you have Florida have Florida and Auburn this weekend I'm looking for again one of those teams is going to get exposed so we've talked about the fact that Auburn Florida has a great defense so Auburn is going to have to be able to throw the ball against Florida they're not going to win that ball you know three yards in the cloud does this is not going to happen they wouldn't win it and against, against LSU Florida, Florida will have Florida to- Gonna to have to put up a lot of points. <clears throat> We're gonna have to put up a minimum 40 points. I guess that was you. That was you putting up points against everybody. So, uh, things are starting to get real. we start to get very interesting in the uh, in the sec come the next couple of weeks. As far as power went, um, episode six inside man, we are now past the halfway point of the season. I thought it was a very good episode. I heard a lot of people say they didn't like it. Again, so a lot of you guys, don't, a lot of you fans, don't get are not pleased unless somebody dies, unless somebody important dies, unless there's a shock value moment. Yeah, start looking at some storylines. You got to look at the subtleties. You got to look at think you know subplots and things that are coming up on the horizon. You just don't you just don't get caught up in in, in the major character death. Right? It's, you know, Angela or Proctor. Yeah, you know those are exciting. But you got to look at other things. I thought it was a very good episode. Um, now moving forward, um, Ghost and Tommy time out is over. According to Tommy, Ghost knows Tommy killed Proctor. Tommy knows that Ghost knows that he killed Proctor. You have Proctor's cousin Benny, who um, Herc from the Wire, who's in, you know a big time Bob figure. So you know he's going to play a major role moving forward. You still have that that tape. Um, I forget the campaign manager. I forget her name. Man, what is her name? Ramona. You still have that dynamic going forward. What happens with Tyreek? He's home now. Uh, he's still going to be up to no good. I mean, Tyreek is Tyreek is all the way in, all all the way in right now. Um, they're in a nice rhythm right now. Again, the first two episodes were horrible. Now these last three episodes, or last really last four episodes, three through five, three through six have been power like episodes we can we can always nitpick but they as far as some of the as far as the writing as far as the action and you know it being over the top it's been it's been power-esque it's been power-esque it's been a, it's been the guilty pleasure show that we all love and you know again moving forward to me it's gonna be interesting to see what they do with dre i'm, I'm still curious he's not gonna die any soon but he's he has a lot of I, I I think he's going to finish the season, to be honest with you. I think he'll minimum, you remember, they, you have five episodes coming up in, in, in the wintertime. Drain's going to get to the season finale of, of this, of the fall season. He'll get to episode 10 of this season. You can mark my word. Now, will he make it to the last five episodes? I don't know. I could see them killing him in the, he could be the big, the major character at death um, uh, in episode 10, in the fall season finale. But, um, I don't see him going before that. So we'll see what happens with that. Uh, of course you had the fair act to play, fair pay to uh, fair pay to uh, play act passed in California, where students will be compensated for their name, images and likeness. And again, this will not start till 2023. This is a very small step in, for student athletes in the NCAA. It's a very small start because it sounds like the NCAA is going to put pressure on the California schools from the state of California in terms of those schools being eligible for competitions, eligible for the tournament, eligible for the NCAA tournaments, things of that nature. This sounds like it's going to be a lot of court battles coming up. And I never completely trust the NCAA. I don't uh, this is something that they did not want to do did, did not want agree to uh, but this is about the state of California if this can go through and these athletes are allowed to compete in tournaments NCAA tournament of that things, na- tournaments of that nature it has a chance to make some inroads around the country because what is going to happen is other states are gonna to look to are gonna to look to pass this law because they don't wanna fall behind in terms of recruiting. This is gonna give California states, schools in the state of California a major advantage in terms of recruiting. Especially with football. Because remember, California is already one of the top football states in the country. California is right there with Texas, they're right there with Florida. So they want to build, I mean, they have a, it's, it's California. It's one of the biggest states in the country. They have a fertile ground of recruiting for of the sport of football. So I'm not I'm not too excited about this. I, I'm very cautionly optimistic that this will start the, the, the total of, of the abolishment of the NCAA as a amateur entity. Because it's not M athletics. We the ncaa is all is business. It should be professional athletics. It really it should be they should be paying their athletes, testing in football and basketball. We all know this. So we will see how far this goes. This is a small step. It's a positive step, but don't get too don't get too excited about this. We really watch. It's gonna be there going to be a number of court battles coming up it's, it's just bound to happen that's going to wrap it up for this latest edition of the real deal podcast as always thanks for joining me this is season 12 of the real deal podcast telling like it is with no apologies thanks for listening